the one and only Cliff Richard and Buscemi. Hi, this is David Ghosty Wills, and I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, or if you're someone who doesn't celebrate any holidays at all, have a have a, have a nice day. Welcome back to We Say Yeah, an unofficial monthly Cliff Richard and the Shadows fan podcast where we review and discuss every single EP and LP in chronological order, except for this month, which is a bit of a departure from our usual format. More about that in just a moment. First off, I want to read some comments from our listeners over on the We Say Yeah Facebook page. Richard Wink writes, Thanks so much for the excellent podcasts. They're full of fascinating details about the amazing shadows and their vocalist, of course. Thanks, Richard. Paul Shilton writes, Have a great Christmas and New Year's, Ghosty, and to all the Cliff listeners, thanks for this great podcast you're giving us, loving it here in Brisbane. Thanks so much, Paul. Again, be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, We Say Yeah, and you can always email us, too, at podcast at gmail.com. And I should also mention the fine folks who contribute to the Cliff Richard Appreciation Thread over on the Steve Hoffman Music Forums. Now, user by the name of Jarlaboy, or is it Jarlaboy? Oh my goodness, I hope I didn't screw that up. I probably did. Anyway, he started this magnificent thread some time ago, and in addition to discussing all things Cliff, he and Tim Cooper and Pico 1967, Goodies Guy, Running Hatter, they've all said really wonderful things about the show along the lines of a fantastic listen, um, I eagerly await more, I was referred to as some American. That's okay. I, it's true. It's true. Pico 1967 writes, hopefully it will create some new fans in the younger generations and a renewed interest in Cliff's repertoire. I hope. I hope. And as an aside, as someone who poured through all the pages in that thread, it's interesting to me how fans have different ideas of when Cliff's golden period was. For me, I think we're about to enter it when we look at the releases of the early 1960s. But for some, it's the late 70s or the early 80s or both. And if I'm honest with you, my favorite period, not necessarily what I consider the best period of Cliff's career, but my favorite period is actually 1965 to the early 70s, like 73-ish or so. I just love the sound of those records. And we'll get to those uh, releases in probably 20 years or so of the way this show's going. Okay, so let's talk about this month's show. Because of the holidays, I wanted to put together a different kind of program with returning guest Mark Cunningham about our top five favorite books, either written by or about Cliff Richard and the Shadows. If you follow me on Facebook, you know I'm something of a bookaholic, so this discussion is totally in my wheelhouse. I do want to mention, though, that we recorded this conversation before I received our previous guest's Terry Hope's book, the one she spearheaded, Thank You for a Lifetime to Sir With Love, which is just a wonderful book of memories and well wishes from fans to Cliff. And as impressive as some of the famous names in the book are, you know, Marty Wilde and, of course, The Shadows, Hank and Bruce and Brian, Paul Gambaccini's in that book. I really enjoyed reading all of their comments, but I, I absolutely loved reading some of the comments from fans who wrote things like, 
hey, I've been following you since I saw you on Oh Boy in 1958, and here we are in 2020, and I'm still following you. I loved reading that. And I was particularly fond of reading comments that mentioned friends who were no longer with us. And there were comments along the lines of, my friend Barbara used to accompany me to all the concerts, and she's passed on now, but I know that she'd want to be a part of this book, so I just want to mention her name. Things like that, just very, very touching sentiments. And it's a wonderful book. It benefits the Cliff Richard Charitable Trust. You can find that book at where else? Leosden.co.uk, where all fine Cliff and the Shad's products are found. All right. So on to my conversation with Mark Cunningham. He chose his five favorite books. I chose my five favorite books. And together, we created a pretty unusual top 10 that Cliff has already conquered. As another top 10 for Cliff to conquer, this one was in the bag. I just want to say, you don't know what five I picked, and I don't know what five you picked. It's true. So... Because of your reputation as the biggest Cliff Richard fan in Ireland, <laughs> okay. I'm going to assume you have many more to choose from than me. Okay. But I think for someone in America who over the course of a summer did this, I think I have a pretty huge collection. Okay. But the book at number five is Cliff Richard and the Shadows Around the World in Pictures. Fantastic book. Dezo Hoffman. What I like about this book, and this was a book that was, I want to say this is maybe 1982 or 81? 82. Yeah, somewhere around the 80s. Yeah, I bought it in the 90s. Oh, 85. Yeah, 85. He had a similar book, very much like this, with his work on the Beatles. Yeah, and uh, he had another book out that I bought around the same time with all the pop stars and the... actors and all that he photographed over the years i don't think there was much writing in the book it was just right mainly photographs yeah and i'm not one for photo books in general i mean i have a few i've got books on bridget bardot and and marilyn monroe and things like that books on the beatles that are photo books and i have some other cliff ones too i've got cliff history and uh, a celebration but what i like about this book you've got rarely seen photos of cliff and the shadows Sometimes Cliff on his own, sometimes the shadows on their own. And you see them on the sets of TV shows, on the sets of their movies, backstage, on tour, candid shots. Great photographs in that book. Photos of them with other celebrities and photos of them with other rock stars. Like there's a photo of Cliff in deep conversation with Johnny Burnett. And you're thinking, how did this happen? I mean, were they just at the same event, I guess, right? And they took a photo together or... Were they thinking of some collaboration or, you know, and it's a real snapshot, no pun intended, of history that doesn't get the attention it deserves. There's one with Adam Fate with the shadows. And you'd be wondering, you wonder, would they be as successful with Adam right. Fate as the front man? So that's my first pick, uh, the book by Dezo Hoffman. I think it's Dezo or maybe it's Dezo Hoffman. I don't know. How, how do you say it? I think it's Denzo. Oh, okay. Because I know that um, in the 70s, he actually took Jet Harris under his wing as a photographer apprentice. Oh. Yeah, um, he taught everything. He um, 
to Jaharis about getting into photography. And um, I think he took him on as an apprentice, actually. Um, oh. Jeb really got into photography around that time, but Jeb was mostly photographing nature photographs, so like butterflies and insects right. and all. That's why he was into. <laughs> so that was my number five. What is your number five, Mark? My number five is Bruce Welch, Rock and Roll. I gave you the best years of my life, which was released in 1989 to celebrate 30 years of rock and roll. Um, his life in the shadows and I think it's just an absolutely fantastic read I'd read it at least probably once every five years if I, I don't think I've read it in about three four years now so it's, I'm due to read it again now right it's just an absolutely incredible book he's probably the most honest out of the shadows the first word in the book I'm not going to say live it's is a course word so he grabs your attention straight away and um, goes, he doesn't hold back. Um, he even talks about trying to take his own life in the early 70s when he broke up from Olivia Newton John. Yeah, oh, yeah. To kill himself. So he doesn't hold back. He even mentions in that book the fact that he got Cliff back in the album charts with albums like um, I'm Nearly Famous and Every Face Has a Story in Greenlight. And then on the Rock and Roll Juvenile album, he assumed he would be producing that album until he bumped into an engineer in EMI Studios and told him, I'll see you in Paris next week. And Bruce said, what do you mean next week? He goes for the new Cliff album. Cliff hadn't even told him he'd actually decided to produce that album himself with uh, Terry Britton, who was uh, writing most of the songs for the Rock and Roll Juvenile. So there's a few bits that he's not happy with Cliff in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Cliff said, I think Cliff... Um, in a documentary in the early 90s, the story so far, I think it was part of the South Bank show um, documentary. He actually uh, has Bruce Welch and he actually tells that story on that as well. And Cliff defends himself by saying that um, he doesn't get held to hostage by anybody. If he wants to go another producer, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's just going to go that way and he's had to do that to be successful in his life. It's funny you mention that because I think most people have this idea of Cliff as Mr. Nice Guy who just goes with the flow. Oh, he can and be I, ruthless. Oh, yeah. I keep reading stories about where Cliff, you know, is supposed to promote a record and he doesn't promote a record where he defies the management. And yeah. uh, I think, okay, well, he's... People, yeah. I'm just yeah. people. When he came out of time as well. Um, I don't think it's been wrote about it at all, but I have a newspaper article of one of his band members from the early 80s who went to the newspapers because he had been sacked from Cliff's band. He, he took a lot of the musicians he worked with in the musical time and just dismissed all the band members, bar I think one or two of them from the early 80s. It's a tough business. Tony Rivers, I think, goes into some detail about that as well. Yeah. A couple of years ago called I'm Nearly Famous, which is an absolutely fantastic read. It's not just about Cliff, but it's about on. He worked with everybody from Elton. Oh, yeah. Live Aid and everything. So um, that's probably why I didn't put on this list. But that, if you're a Cliff fan, that's a great book as well. And I'm a Tony Rivers fan. I like Tony Rivers and the Castaways. His yeah. group that he had in the 60s are really good. The next book on my list was extremely important to my making sense of the Cliff catalog, 
It's uh, this one. I'm holding it up here. Mark can see me on Zoom. Cliff Richard, The Complete Recording Sessions, 1958 to 1990 by Peter Lurie and Nigel Goodall. This is to Cliff and the Shads fans what Mark Lewison's The Complete Beatles Recording Sessions was to Beatle fans. Mm -hmm. This book lays out session info for Cliff's singles, EPs, and albums in chronological order and coming from the perspective of someone in the U.S. who might only have access to CD compilations, many of them gray market releases. This was a godsend, really. And even all these years later, it's still a big help to me in putting together a podcast like this. The photograph on the front of that is from the recording session of Savior's Day as well. And then you have to mention um, our mutual friend Vic Russ's book. Oh, wait, you got to hold off on that. I have a feeling we're going to be hearing about that book a little later on, too. Okay, but the thing I like about this book that you have there is it actually includes the set list to some of the concerts. And I actually love looking at the set list. It's surprisingly um, how short the set lists are. Like, I think they only done 20 minute sets or something back then. Yeah. And it's crazy now that they're all their cliff does like well up to a couple of years ago he's doing 30 to 40 songs in the set yeah why is he working so hard so that was my number four book and i think it's your turn now so what's yeah. your uh, number four well, i'm gonna go with the story of the shadows it, mm. it's it's considered an autobiography by all the shadows including hank bruce uh i think jet harris contributes to it uh tony mean licorice locking brian bennett of course and it's written with DJ Mike Reed. And it was released in 1983 when they were celebrating 25 years in showbiz. And I haven't read this book in a couple of years, but I remember thinking it's an absolutely fantastic book. I used to read that a lot when I was younger, but I haven't read it in a while. So I looked at it online and I, I, I looked at reviews of it. And a lot of people are disappointed with the book because they said they didn't go right into the story. They were more having a laugh and having a joke. And have you ever seen Hank Marvin being interviewed or Bruce? It's hard to get a straight answer out of them sometimes. Right. They want to goof around. Like the Beatles do that as well. But um, I think the Shadows were the original goofers. They, they don't really tell the story as it is. But this is the nearest thing we get to their version of what the story of the Shadows was. Um, it does mention the breakups and it even mentions Hank Marvin in tears at one stage because he's had to have a fight with John Russell. Oh, wow. And John Russell walked out. And um, so it does go into some details like that. But yeah, it, it's an interesting read. I wish they do an up to date version because that's 25 years. So like, we, there's a lot of years missing. Like they got back together after that. Um, they had a successful run through the 80s and um, then they appeared with Cliff on the event. Um, in Wembley Stadium and then they had the reunited tour back in um, well they'd done their own final tour in 2004 and then they'd done their final tour with Cliff in 2009 so I'd love to hear their views on that as well hmm. maybe we'll get an up to date version at some stage I was surprised and I have the book that Royston Ellis updated that book is on my list <laughs> alright so we'll hold off on that one and we'll go right to the one that we already teased which is I have this edition, which I think is the most recent edition. Yeah. It's a Cliff Richard recording catalog by Vic Rust, who's been on the show. And I, I don't have this on the list just because he's been on the show. Although if you want to write a book at some point, Mark, we'll put you on the list. Oh, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
this book, for doing this particular podcast, you can imagine how valuable this book has been since we're talking about every song. And it's all here alphabetically. He's got who played on the sessions, who wrote the song, people who've covered the song. If Cliff's version is a cover, the original people, the story behind the song, everything you would need to know is in this book. So if you're a Cliff Richard fan, and he's got a book on the Shadows music as well, either one, these are highly recommended. Incredible it's, research. Yeah. Yeah, seriously highly recommended. Yeah, yeah I definitely would um, have that on my list as well. So I go on my next one. Yeah, let's go. Is Cliff Richard, The Biography, 1993 by Steve Turner. Absolutely fantastic book. Um, Up to the Dreamer, I would consider this the definitive story of Cliff. Um, I think he was um, a music journalist. I think he he did did a book on the Beatles, didn't he? Yes. Did he do a hard day's book? A hard day's right. Yeah. Yeah, he really done his research on this. Um, everybody was interviewed, even members of Cliff's family were interviewed. Um, all the shadows were interviewed. Actors that were in the movies with Cliff was interviewed. All the musicians he worked with through the years. And everybody is referenced at some point, and it doesn't hold back either. It's the same, like like the Bruce Welch book. It's everything. I know we're bringing up the Beatles a lot today because there's a lot of crossover with the authors and uh, the books and the time period. And I've often said this, the best stories about the Beatles I've found are not in books about the Beatles, but in books about other groups. And the Beatles happen to have interacted with them. And there are some great ones in, in this book, including the shadows being at the same hotel when John Lennon and Brian Epstein have their holiday together in Spain, and you've also got George Harrison telling the Shadows they need to give up instrumentals and start doing vocals again, and all sorts of great stuff. I think the best Beatles reference story is um, everybody knows about Paul McCartney having a dream, and he dreamt the melody of yesterday. Right. What doesn't get mentioned is he went to Portugal about a week later, on the advice of Bruce Welch, he went to stay in Bruce Welch's um, apartment in Portugal. And on his way from the airport to the apartment, he wrote the words to yesterday. And when he got to Bruce Welch's apartment, Bruce met him. And the first thing he said, give me a guitar. He handed him a guitar and he sat down. And Bruce Welch was the first person to ever hear yesterday with the lyrics. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know why that's not wrote about more. <laughs> yeah. You do wonder, and I I know that there's also a, a sort of an auxiliary book to that, which is Bachelor Boy, which I also have. Mm. That's more of sort of a oral biography, I guess, where it's just quotes. That's also a good book. All right, so we're going to move on to my next to last. Okay. And this one's in a bag because it's so old, and I want to make sure that it's in good shape. Oh, Yeah. Cliff Richard, It's Great to Be Young. Yeah. Now, this book is, I want to say this is 1960? 60, I think, yeah. Yeah, let me see here. i just make sure. Yeah, because the whole thing is about, oh, I'm going to be turning 20. Yeah, you're right. 1960. The whole book is, oh, I'm going to be turning 21 soon. And But what I like about this book, and actually what I should say, let me pause here. I am under no illusions that Cliff 
after a show, rushes back to the hotel room and he sits at the typewriter and is writing these books. Yeah. I know that he's <laughs> that he's being interviewed and then the ghostwriter collates go them in right, they turn or co-writer, whatever, turns them into something acceptable, then he yeah. checks it off, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and they shape the narrative that way. I, I know how that works. But two things that stuck out to me about this book. One, it's written so early in yeah. his career. And as such, it goes into detail about a time period that I really love in Cliff's yeah. career. So there are stories in here that you don't find in the subsequent autobiographies or memoirs or, or other yeah. books. Exactly. Yeah. He's almost giving you a day-by-day -day look at what's going on in his career, or at least month yeah. by month. And the other thing that's, that sticks out to me about this, if you read The Dreamer, and, and you read this book, it is clearly the same person because it has the exact same tone of the later book. He uses some of the same expressions. So if you were to pick up this book and then jump right into The Dreamer, even though it's 60 years apart, it's like one conversation. I think I've, I found that with all Cliff's autobiographies, any books he's written himself, the way I see it was one, um, which one's Cliff? single-minded, uh, My Life, My Way, and, and The Dreamer. I think you can actually hear Cliff talking in your head. Right. You can actually hear him telling you the story. And uh, I think that was really clear on the last two books, anyway, My Life, My Way, and The Dreamer. It, it really sounded like he was just having a conversation, which it just, it's like you interview him. Yeah. So I guess you're up next. Well, I would go with that book we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, uh, Cliff in the Shadows, a rock and roll memoir by Royce Donellis. I think that's an absolutely fantastic read. It was released originally, um, I think it was called Drifting First, back in 1959. Yes. I think he, he actually released a smaller version of the book. And um, it's basically him going around on tour, The Lucky Sod, um, Wycliffe and the Shadows in the early right. days. And he was a poet. And I think I've seen actually footage. I think it's even shown in the Shadows at 60 documentary. There's a little snippet of Royston Ellis up on the stage reading out a poem and the Shadows are backing him. He did that with the Beatles too later on. Oh, did he? Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, he has some great stories to tell. And the photographs in that book is, are incredible. Like, I thought I'd seen every photograph from the early days of Cliff, but until I'd seen this book and there's some photographs I've never seen. They're obviously from his personal collection. Right. That he's never shared. So, yeah, I absolutely love this book. I only got it um, last year and it was delight to have it. You know, that book was the very first book that I think, because when did that come out? A couple of years ago, maybe four or five years ago? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Been about four or five years ago, yeah. That was the first one I'd ever read, actually. That started this uh, spending spree, so yeah. I have Roy Royston Ellis to blame. Well, my next book is the first book I ever got a cliff by. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so my last one is this one, of the course, Dreamer, yeah. The Dreamer. Now, for you folks who are listening, this is the signed Waterstones edition that yeah. I had shipped to the U.S. at great expense. I love this book. I really do. I think that it's the best of what I would call the modern autobiographies of Cliff. By miles, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, 
Which one's Cliff? I think he wrote that with Bill Latham, right? Yeah, I think he's done the typing. <laughs> so which I one's Cliff is? Yeah, he does. He's pounding away on the typewriter. I think he That's right. Yeah. Which one's Cliff is sort of like, how does Cliff balance his career with his Christian faith? And that's a very valid uh, way to look at Cliff's career. And, and if you want to read more about that, there it is. The follow-up book to that, Single-Minded, I don't know, it seems like Cliff is a little ticked off in that book. I mean, that's where he talks about working on the musical time, and it's it's a very, very interesting book. My Life, My Way is sort of like the beginnings of Cliff's career. He tells you about how he started, and then it moves on to, you know, these are the famous people I've met along the way, and he talks about Mother Teresa, but there's really not much about the music in that book, The Dreamer, is the career book. Yeah, it's incredible. Like a couple of, I think about two months before, when we first heard this book was coming out, I'd done a review on My Life, My Way on my YouTube channel. And I said in that review that I love My Life, My Way. I, I love the first part of the book in particular because he goes into great detail about his family, his, his life in India and meeting the shadows for the first time, going into EMI for the first time, Abbey Road. But it, as you say, as soon as it gets to 1964, he's unsure about his life and he starts going on a search. And of course, in 66, he became a Christian and the music kind of gets left behind him. And he doesn't, he doesn't really mention the music at all after that. Yeah. Um, he might give a quick reference to the I'm Nearly Famous album, then go straight to We Don't Talk Anymore, the big number right. one. But it's mostly about working with Tearfund, meeting Mother Trace, as you say, meeting the Queen, um, Princess Diana. And it's like, it is um, really good to hear Cliff talking about these things but i wanted to hear about the sessions i wanted to hear yes the musicians he worked with what was like on the movie sets and um when this book came out i wasn't holding much hope i thought it was going to be just the 10 years from my life my way up to the present i thought it was just going to be a continual i knew you'd have to mention what happened to him Right. But when I first read it, I couldn't believe what I was reading. It was absolutely incredible. He went into every detail about all the key tracks I mentioned, um, mentions all the movies, um, all the major albums are mentioned. Um, just an incredible book. But um, did, did you hear the audio of it as well? I have not heard the audio That's version. incredible. That's yeah. amazing. Well, it's more money I have to spend. Or, you know, maybe maybe my family will listen to this. I and they'll get it for Christmas on Amazon. Oh yeah, I could do that too. Yeah. Yeah, I have one coming to me. All right. So, what's your uh, last book there? My last book is the first ever book I ever bought a cliff. I bought it for thirty p, which was no money. It was on Nothing. sale, and it's just called Cliff, and it's by Patrick Duncaster and Tony Jasper. I just read that one. Yeah, and it was released in nineteen eighty two. And I have to say, I don't think I read it until I was in my 20s. I went to, to live in Belgium for a few months uh, back in 1996, and I brought that book, and I read it for the first time, even though I'd had it for about 10, 15 years before that. But um, what I always loved about the book was the pictures for us, because I was only a child, so I loved looking at the pictures. But what most struck me about was the set list at the back of the book was all the set lists of all the concerts Cliff has ever um, 
ever did up until that point from 58 to 82 all the concerts and all the set lists and so I'd, I'd spend hours just reading the set lists and imagine what it'd be like to be at some of them concerts and then um, that's that's what i really enjoyed and that's why i'm adding this book <laughs> <laughs> I, I had hours of just enjoying reading the set list. Yeah, I was very pleased with it. I, I've i read so many. I mean, I've read New Singer, New Song, that David Winter book, and I was really impressed with that book. I said, you know, this is, I mean, it's not at the level of the Steve Turner book, which is no. definitive, no. but it's still a good There's read. There's a couple of mistakes in there as well. There's a couple mm. of um, I probably wouldn't have known that years ago, but I know now there's a few mistakes in it. Right. A couple of references that are completely wrong, like a couple of the musicians are wrong. That's probably why it's it's great to have that Vic Russ book. You can yes. actually see what musicians actually played on what sessions. Because sometimes with the Shadows and the, even Cliff and the Shadows tracks, it's unclear what bass player is playing and what drummer is playing. Because the Wonderful Life soundtrack has John Russell in the film playing on the beach and Matter of Moments and Team for Young Lovers. But it's a fact that Licorice Lockham played them tracks. He he actually recorded them tracks. That happened with a couple of Shadows albums as well, where you'd have, when Licorice joined the band, um, some of the tracks were by Jeff Harris. But Licorice right. was on the front cover and so on. Like, it happened a couple of times. Yeah, that happens a lot in rock and roll. It happened with the Beach Boys, where David Marks would be playing on tracks, but by the time the album came out, he was out of the band, so Al Jardine is on the cover, but it's really David Marks on the record. Anyway, so I think we've given people a pretty good idea of what's out there and what they can expect if they're heading to eBay or Amazon to uh, do a little Christmas shopping and you want to buy someone a uh, Cliff in the Shadows book of some kind. We've given you some good ideas, I think. Now, let's think ahead to 2022. What I'd like to see is an extensive reissue campaign on CD. I know that physical media is on its last legs, but something along the lines of what Tony Bennett had, that Tony Bennett, the complete collection, it was something like 76 CDs in a box set. I mean, just presenting the records as they were released with a couple of CDs of bonus tracks, songs that didn't make the records the first time around. Yeah, I'd love to, because interesting reading that big Russ book and the uh, What's the guy's name that wrote the other book um, from 1990 sessions? Oh, uh, Goodall and, and Lurie? Right. Like, uh, yeah. Um, some of the outtakes, tracks that weren't used on the album were recorded. Um, I'd love to hear some of them. Um, so they, they found one for the Mobile, Mobile Alabama School. Oh, yes. Absolutely fantastic track. And you wonder why that wasn't on the, the Greenlight album. If you look at them sessions, there's a whole bunch of songs, and just beside them it says unreleased, unreleased, unreleased. When are we going to hear them? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I'd love to hear some of them. 
Yeah, we've had a couple of bonus tracks over the years, the Lost and Found compilation and things like that, but uh, something for the serious Cliff Richard and the Shadows fan, you know, and, and Shadows unreleased tracks, too. So here's my other crazy idea. Maybe this one is not so crazy. What I would like to see in 2022 is a Christmas album. Okay. Now, I know some people might he's be saying, Christmas, you know, he's done, he's done a few. However, what I would like to see, the Cliff's Christmas music is for the most part very contemporary, and it's of the era when it was recorded. But I'd like to hear a traditional Christmas album along the lines of perhaps the Elvis Christmas album with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Now, there has been a dalliance with the Royal Philharmonic. So why not take that to its logical conclusion? And really the best vehicle for that would be a Christmas album and maybe not have Cliff re-record a bunch of Christmas songs he's already done, but maybe you could lift his vocals from, and I'm not saying 21st century Christmas or, or a contemporary song like that, but maybe Silent Night or or Winter Wonderland, and have an orchestral backing to it. Because there was a couple of songs featured on the Rise Up album. Yes. Uh, some People, Devil Woman, um, Mission Heights, uh, The Miniature Gone, and yeah, they're all fantastic. You wonder why isn't there an album? Right, we only got three, and this, and if you do it a Christmas album, it's almost guaranteed to sell. So Yeah, he's mentioned a couple of ideas that he would like to do in the future. He mentioned uh, he'd love to do... Uh, an album completely dedicated to the Everly Brothers. And he was talking about getting Tony Rivers involved for that and mm. um, to, to work out the harmonies for it. That'll be fantastic. I'd love to hear that. But when you were saying about the Christmas songs as well, I was expecting when he did the rock and roll songbook album, if he had it done, maybe just an EP, maybe five tracks, Christmas, uh, Jingle Bell Rock, Run Rudolph Run. Like that would have been incredible as well. Sure, rocking around the Christmas tree or something like that. Yeah, all the yeah. Rockers, a couple of Elvis ones. Here comes Santa Claus or whatever. That would have been cool with that band because that was an incredible band on the two albums. Well, this is a good idea. So we're creating Cliff's yeah. next Christmas <laughs> album. So yeah. I I like that. Maybe we can combine the two. Maybe we could have the traditional rock and roll Christmas uh, stuff yeah. with that band. And then we have the RPO do yeah. the more, the, the more sacred material we could have with the orchestra. Oh, yeah. Mark, it's, it's what a big seller this would be. Yeah. This would be my, uh, my ultimate one, which I've mentioned a couple of times on my, my um, YouTube channel, my, which is probably a pipe dream as well, is for him to do um, an album with Barry Gibb producing it. Barry Gibb oh, yeah. the DJs who write and produce a whole album for Cliff. Because to me, um, after Paul McCartney, Barry Gibb is the greatest songwriter still alive today. And he's probably one of the best producers as well. And to me, Cliff is the greatest singer. So put the two together. <laughs> I think it's you know, incredible. That w- and, I, and he records already yeah, at that studio in Florida. Already, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he actually records at Criteria, doesn't he? Yeah, sessions he's out there. Yeah, so maybe it's not too far fetched. No, no. But well, another mentioned last year as well that he might be getting together to do a duets album with Elaine Page, which I know a lot of people were keen on, but 
I'm sorry, I could take a leave. That one. <laughs> well, well, I, I we'll see. Know. I doubt that it wouldn't be top of my list anyway. Obviously, well, she still buy it because it's clear sure. But, well, she 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 could sing on the Christmas album. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right, there you go. All right. Well, this has been great, Mark, as always. And uh, we, I, these are the kind of discussions I live for. And where could people go to catch up with you on your YouTube channel and all that? Well, good the stuff? YouTube channel is Mr. Dreammaker. I don't know what's happening with YouTube. It's not as popular as it used to be. I used to have a channel. Um, called Mr. Dreammaker before years ago and it was hijacked and um, I lost all my videos and, and I had loads of cliff stuff on oh, it no. and loads of cliff chats on it and I lost it and it put me off YouTube for a long time uh, but I got it back into it about a couple of years ago and I've been doing these five minute reviews and uploading some of my own cover songs and things like that so it's maybe just for my own fun but you don't get the sort of followers you did say 10 yeah. years ago so yeah, so Mr. Dreammaker is my YouTube channel if anybody's interested. And um obviously the clip pages on Facebook. Cliff Richard fans is probably the most uh, popular one. There's twenty-five thousand on that. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that discussion with Mark Cunningham, and I hope you'll be back in January when the aforementioned Vic Rust is with us to talk about the next batch of singles released on our podcast timeline. One of those singles starts off like this. Boom, 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 boom. I think you know which one I'm talking about. That'll be next month. In the meantime, go on over to Facebook. Join the We Say Yeah page on Facebook. You can send us an email. It's We Say Yeah Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We say yeah. We say yeah.